Our scripture reading today comes from a letter to the church in Philippi. Paul wrote to the church about a variety of things, but we're going to focus on chapter 4, and the verses we're really going to key on are going to be, uh, well, kind of, um, we're going to do all sorts of things. I'm going to start, I'm going to read 1 through 9, um, I'm going to talk more about 4 through 9, but it's really 6 through 9 that I want you to carry with you, these instructions that Paul gives, and yeah, I forgot, the children are welcome to go with Miss Brenda, you figured it out, yeah. So let us say a prayer and we'll receive the word. Lord, words that were written 2,000 years ago speak to us still. May you breathe breath into the words that we may encounter your word. Amen. Paul writes, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and miss, who are my crown and joy, stand firm in the Lord. Loved ones, I urge Euodia and I urge Syntyche to come to an agreement in the Lord. Those are names. Yes, and I'm also asking you, loyal friend, to help these women who have struggled together with me in the ministry of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the scroll of life. Be glad in the Lord always. Again, I say, be glad. Let your gentleness show in your treatment of all people. The Lord is near. Verse 6. Don't be anxious about anything. Rather, bring up all your requests to God in your prayers and petitions, along with giving thanks. Then the peace of God that exceeds all understanding will keep your hearts and minds safe in Christ Jesus. From now on, brothers and sisters, if anything is excellent and if anything is admirable, focus your thoughts on these things, all that is true, all that is holy, all that is just, all that is pure, all that is lovely, and all that is worthy of praise. Practice these things. Whatever you learned, received, heard, or saw in us, the God of peace will be with you. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Please pray for me. Lord, I thank you for your word that meets us where we are, always has much to say, always has much to teach us as we are guided further into the truth that we come to when we encounter you. And so I ask that you come to us now in the things that have been prepared. And I ask that you prepare us. May the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts, Lord, may they be acceptable in your sight. And Lord, you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. So the month of November, we are celebrating gratitude with grateful hearts. It's good to be grateful. It's a month of being grateful as we step toward Thanksgiving, which is getting closer and closer. Part of me is really excited about that, the, the stomach part of me. And the part of me that uh, likes to plan is thinking, how in the world did it get here so quickly? But here we are. So we we're in week three. If you weren't here week one, it was all about that we are made for gratitude. We are built and made for gratitude. And it's good for us as people to step back every now and again and just have a look and remember all that God has done since the beginning of all creation and all that God has promised and assured us in Christ Jesus and just to sit back and, and look at all that God has given us and that we are part of that story. 
And we find that we'll, we'll find gratitude when we picture that. And then we can even picture our lives and look at our lives and all the things that have happened in our past. In fact, all the things that happened before we were born, all the saints and the stories and the choices and the decisions and blessings that came. And then when we were born, all the things that spoke to us, the people that cared and loved us and got us this far. And when we consider these things, we find gratitude is not far behind. Last week, we talked about giving thanks in every situation, every situation, as Paul did. And so in light of all that we've been given uh, by God and across all creation, all we've been given in our life, we need the church because it's here that we practice what it is to share in the kind of life that God has intended for us to be a part of. Here we are all family, yes? Who's your father in this room? God. Who's your sister and brother? And we practice that so that when we go back out into the world, we remember that we're not alone and that God's with us and that one day the whole world will all be sisters and brothers with God as our Father. What a good day that will be, amen? If we remember that and we practice it now and not let ourselves be distracted by the many things in this world that distract us, we will find that gratitude will always be within us. And so today, cultivating gratitude. All this sounds great, but there's a lot in life, Pastor, that makes it hard to be grateful all the time. Amen? Come on. You're thinking it. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. So Paul is addressing the church, this particular church in Philippi, and he's addressing a particular situation. There are two women, and I'm going to have to look at their names again because they're Greek and they're, and they're strange. Yodia and Syntyche, two women. Now notice what Paul writes. Let's just, let's just celebrate for a moment. Paul says these are co-workers, fellow ministers, women ministering alongside Paul as co-workers. Just enjoy that for a minute, right? We don't hear that enough. But what's happened with these two women is they're arguing about something. There's been a fallout. There's division. There's distance. And Paul wants to see that distance brought to a close. And so he's addressing his loyal friend, whom we're not exactly sure who he's talking about, but he's asking them to be a part of this reconciliation process. And no doubt that Euodia and Satike are there hearing the letter. They're part of the group because they are part of the body. And so Paul gives a prescription for how to deal with this kind of reconciliation. Um, his prescription is what we want to focus on for our own lives, to cultivate gratitude, to be in a place where amidst the divisions of our lives, we have what we need. So he says, first, in verse four, be glad and celebrate and the Lord always, again, I say, be glad and celebrate. This rejoicing is much deeper than just some internal feeling. It is, a, it is a, an outward celebration that comes. So we are to be glad and celebrate outwardly, always in the Lord. And that sounds great, but there are days, right, that make it a little hard. He says, be gentle in your treatment of all people. If we were gentle with all people, it would solve a lot of our division problems. Amen? Sometimes we get into a fight with the people we love the most and our lack of gentleness causes wounds that take a long time to heal. And finally, and this is what we really want to focus on today, he says, pray. Pray. Prayer is so important. It's probably one of the most common words and things we do at church, but probably 
a lot of the times really misunderstood. Prayer is how we focus our attention on God. We stop what we're doing, we close our eyes, we stop being distracted, we focus in and we reach out to God from the depths of our heart. Jesus prayed all throughout the Gospel of Luke particularly. He's always going off and praying. He's leaving and praying. He's healing people, casting out demons, and then he goes off and he prays on a mountain by himself because he has to stay focused on his mission. And in the, the, uh, Luke part two, which is we call Acts, the disciples are always praying, and the Spirit works through this time of prayer. So when we maintain focus, we see everything differently because what we do is we see things as God sees them. We pray not to get what we want, but to try to get what we actually need to get God's view and our view. And we see everything differently. Other people, we see all the blessing and the plenty of joy all around us. And we realize that in the first place, we were never made to be in competition with one another. That's hard. Is there plenty of joy to go around in this world? You feel like I'm always talking to you when I say joy. I always wonder, yeah, you're like, bless you, joy. There's plenty of joy. Yes. So we, we live in a world where there are, are there plenty of resources in this world for everybody. Would God make it any different? Do we have people that don't have the resources they need? Is that God's doing? No. It's people not being in line with God's focus. So our key way to focus is prayer. Prayer is all about aligning us with God. And so we're going to look to Jesus, how Jesus prays and teaches us to pray. Jesus teaches us a prayer in Matthew 6. The Lord's Prayer, you all know it. Should we say it? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Jesus teaches us to pray this. First, we align ourselves with God, but we honor God as holy, as creating everything. God is above all and in all. And then we align ourselves with God. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then we ask God simply for what we need. This day our daily bread. While we also then commit to live into a life of reconciliation, with God, forgive us, and at the same time, we forgive others, because you can't have one without the other, Jesus goes on to say in Matthew 6. So through this practice, we, we trust God to lead us into the saving life and love and grace of Jesus Christ. And this is the main points of the Lord's Prayer. Now, there is another prayer that some people call the Lord's Prayer. It's in John 17, and it's the one actually that Jesus prays. He doesn't teach him to pray. It's the one he actually prays. And if you go and read John 17, uh, we're not going to recite it all now, but uh, it's all about the disciples being brought into unity with each other, into unity with Christ. And because Christ is in unity with God, they're in unity with God as well. So it's all about this unity. And we would do well to pray as Jesus both taught and demonstrated. When we live in a time of prayer, we're more open to God. We're more open to life. Paul says in verses 6 and 7, don't be anxious about anything. You good? You got it? Check. Rather, bring up all your requests to God and your prayers, petitions, along with giving thanks. Three parts to a prayer. 
your prayers, your petitions, and your giving thanks. Sometimes we, we forget all the elements of prayer. Sometimes it's just a list of what we want, right? Or, Lord, help me from not doing something I know I shouldn't because I'm really mad right now. Put your hand over my mouth if you heard that prayer. Put your arms around my shoulders and your hand over my mouth, Lord. It's a good prayer. But he says that if we can bring everything to prayer and not be anxious, the peace of God that exceeds our understanding will keep our hearts and our minds safe in Christ Jesus. Now, that's a mysterious image, but I like it. Keep my heart and my mind safe in Christ Jesus. God's peace will come to us, but we must make room for God's peace. So, I want to invite you, if, you're, if you feel comfortable enough, to close your eyes. All right, close your eyes and imagine a beautiful garden, and that is your life. Your whole life is represented in this garden, so you see colors, flowers, bushes, maybe trees. It's your garden. Picture yourself as this large and wonderfully amazing garden. And as you look around, some of these things in your garden, they represent blessings God has given you, like beautiful flowers Look around at the blessings. Decide for yourself, what color are the blessings? What will they represent? How big of a portion of your garden are your blessings? What kind of flowers are your blessings? Are those your favorite flowers? Now I want you to think of the beauty that you possess. We all have God in our DNA. So your beauty belongs in the garden. When's the last time you took time to see the beauty that you possess simply because God made you? What parts of your life are you joyful for? What are the characteristics of yourself that you have worked hard to develop and grow? What kinds of flowers do you see? Pretty garden, huh? There are weeds, yes? We have weeds too. Do you see them? Do you want to see them? What can we do about these weeds? Sometimes it's good for us to close our eyes, to picture a garden as our life, and to pray over our life as if it's a garden. Lord, give us the sunshine. Give us the rain. Prune us. Till the soil. Remove what doesn't belong. And we find that, yes, we have things in our our lives that we're not necessarily proud of, but we can look around and see the beauty in our gardens. We see the blessings and the joys and the gifts, the things that came that we never expected, the things we asked for and that God answered. When you see your areas, the areas of your soul garden that need tending, that's where you want to ask God to let the Spirit work. You can open your eyes. Did you see the weeds? Did anybody have weeds in their garden? Now, when the weeds are removed, when the Spirit removes them, What's left? A bare spot, right? Any gardeners in here? What grows in the bare spots, gardeners? Weeds grow in the bare spots. Isn't that amazing? You have to make effort to plant the flowers or to let them be plant. We're going to keep the metaphor of the Spirit working. But sometimes we just have to acknowledge that we can't leave a spot bare. It's been weeded, but we've got to fill it. Or weeds will fill it for us. Weeds will fill any space. You, you get a crack in the pavement, a, a darn weed will find it, won't it? They're crafty. 
In Luke 11, Jesus offers a, a strange image. So you'll read it up here with me. So, when an unclean spirit leaves a person, it wanders through dry places looking for a place to rest. But it doesn't find any. Then it says, I'll go back to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house cleaned up and decorated. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself. They go in and make their home there. That person is worse off at the end than at the beginning. It's a strange story, isn't it? The idea is, is Israel is the house. Jesus has been talking to them, talking to Israel and, and talking to us through this story. We have been cleaned. We've, been, we've had the evil removed, just like Israel did, through exile, through pain. But did they build anything good in, in the place? Did they fill it with good things? Or did the corruption find its way back in? And Jesus is pointing out that in his day, corruption had not only found its way back in, but was far worse. But it happens in our own lives. We remove the bad things. We have to fill it with good. It's a classic thing that addicts know. If you just sit around, if you stop doing the things you shouldn't do, but you just sit around all day, what are you doing? You're thinking about the thing you really want to do, and sometimes you end up going into it far worse than before. They know that you have to do something else good. Put it in the place, or else you'll find your way back to that which will destroy you. It's the same thing with weeds. It's the same thing with sin. It's the same thing with any bad habits that we have. We must plant something in the space. So Paul gives us a list to help us with this in our lives. He says in verse 8, From now on, brothers and sisters, if anything is excellent and if anything is admirable, focus your thoughts on these things. All that is true, all that is holy, all that is just, all that is pure, all that is lovely, all that is praiseworthy. So when you turn on the TV... Are you looking at things that are true and just and pure, holy and praiseworthy and lovely? What about when you pick a book you want to read, right? Pick a movie you want to watch. What about when you get on Facebook? Which news channel do you turn on? Are they filling you with truth and justice and holiness and purity and loveliness? Or maybe something else. Are you finding these things? What about the voices you listen to? The, th the voices you love to read and hear and learn from? Are they filling you with these good things? Or are you constantly filling yourself with something that looks more like weeds? Are we listening to voices who seek to work the goodness of God into us or something else? We have to be attentive. And we have to pray to maintain our attention. God is with you. But you must stay focused. If you want the peace of God, make room and seek the peace of God to fill you. If you're feeling the weight of division and discord, as these two women ministers are, and you want to maintain the reality you already have, then just keep doing what you're doing, right? We know where that goes. God can remove all that you ask in prayer, but if you return to the same sources that filled you up in the first place with things that were not quite as good, you're going to be filled up again. Friends, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit fills your life with good things when you are careful and prayerful, when you're attentive in every moment, when you seek God in every moment. Stop planting weeds. 
Stop letting others plant weeds in you. Sometimes that means we have to draw boundaries of people we love because they're sowing weeds when they want to gossip, when they want to complain, when they want to practice prejudice, bias, racism, whatever it is, when they want to practice hatred and, and all the things that make them mad and they want to grow that in you because they want you to join them in misery. We have to stop and pray and find another way. Amen? And be something. Be another way. Seek all that is true, holy, just, pure, lovely, and worthy of praise. And watch gratitude just be cultivated and grow within you to the point where it just ekes out of you and fruit is everywhere. And then you'll be celebrating in the Lord always. Again, I say you'll be celebrating. You'll be gentle with people. Even the people that drive you the most crazy, if you're prayerful, you'll even find a way to be gentle with them. Amen? So cultivate gratitude in every area through prayer. Seek God's way of life and experience eternal life. It's available to all of us. We just need to grab it. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your work in our lives that is constant, consistent. You are relentlessly pursuing us and want to fill us with good things and life and joy and all these amazing and wonderful things we were created for in the first place. Help us to stop and think. Help us to pray that we may call upon your will, call upon you, seek unity, seek the things that are true, just, pure, holy, lovely, and praiseworthy. Don't give up on us, God. Help us not to give up on you and each other. We need you. We need the grace of Jesus Christ in our lives. And if we have not committed, if we've not laid down our life and sought to pursue Jesus Christ as our Lord, then help us to do that now. Help us to cast aside whatever stands in our way and know that that thing will never bring the joy that you can bring. Will never bring the life that you can bring. Lord, I thank you you are ever after our souls. May your Holy Spirit come and have its way with us. Amen. Mm-hmm.